encounter it God's way. Uh, one of the lies we fight constantly is, I'm too tired. And the lie part is T-O-O. Because not too tired to do what you need to do, usually. We think that, we think that, and then we go ahead and do what we need to do. We, we can actually get help from God in this. Um, but we think, I'm too tired to give everything I really need to this challenge, to this responsibility, to this role that I'm playing in, in this person's life. I'm really too tired to pay attention to the details, and we get sloppy. Uh, often, when we need energy to get moving ahead in our stewardship, in an arena that God's entrusted us with, we feel a bog. One of the kids gets sick, and you're just waiting for it to spread through the whole family, and it just wears you out thinking about that. The bog might come in the middle of a very busy season at work or in the middle of midterms, finals, as you're, as you're looking ahead or as you're in the middle of those things. Working through conflict, what do we say? Give me a break. Give me a break. I need a break. This, this, this conflict is wearing me out. Um, too, actually, too much couch time watching TV puts you behind, and it bogs us down, and we get up and we aim to catch up, but we're tired because of the mountain of things that have piled up while we were taking a break. Uh, your parents may be getting older, and you, you have to care for them. You're making decisions about how to do that. One of your kids has a serious illness. These things, wear, this kind of stuff wears you out. And it's tempting to say, I, I'm just too tired to do what I need to do right now. Uh, two weeks ago, we looked at Joshua's story, where he was handed the leadership baton after Moses died, and he was instructed to lead God's people, the children of Israel, people of Israel, uh, who were becoming a nation. He was instructed to lead them into the promised land, and that required battling the people who inhabited the land. And that that's a picture of what life is like for us. Uh, without going into a lot of explanation, life's a battle. People ask me, How, how's life treating you? Not that great, frankly. Okay, life doesn't treat me that great, but in the middle of it, God is fantastic. <laughs> He's really good in the middle of what's going on, but life itself is a battle. And that, that's really how it is. It, it's a battle. So, what we looked at when we started the message series two weeks ago is the three commands that God gives to claim His promises, because it's a fight, and we have to fight, and we have to follow His commands. He tells us to be strong, keep a strong grip on our role and responsibilities no matter what happens. Be courageous. Regardless of how I feel, I'm to act with bravery and to be careful, not to deviate even slightly on God's command. So when we understand what God's telling us to do, we don't, we're careful to do exactly what he's told us to do. Um, Joshua, as he began to lead the people of Israel to take the promised land, he obeyed these commands in spite of how he felt, and God did some amazing things alongside of him to really help. Uh, it became the stuff of legend. I mean, it was the actual history of Israel is legendary in the way God worked through them to help them as they claimed the, the promised land. He, God held back the waters of the Jordan River that were at flood stage, uh, and they uh, were able to cross and get involved in a battle there, and God helped them get across and 
do what he asked them to do. Uh, for Joshua, that, that God holding back the river was the first of many tests. He had to believe, he had to trust God, and major confirmation of his leadership. Uh, and then he, he followed the commands carefully. There was one, one city they came up on, Jericho, and God told them to march around the city six, six days uh, once, just once around the city six days. Seventh day, march seven times around the city while the priests are blowing trumpets. Uh, and then on the seventh day, after the seventh uh, march around, a loud blast and a loud shout, and God brought victory. You can, you can read the details, but the, my point is, it, the details are in Joshua 6, 2 through 5 on that one, in Joshua 6. You can check it out. It's a great story. It's great, great what God did there. But my point is, Joshua was being careful to do. God, God was instructing them as they went along, and he was very careful to do what God was telling him to do. God handed him over this, the, the city of Jericho. That was the first city. So rather than settling in Jericho, uh, God sends them farther into the promised land. I've got a lot of narrative today, so you're going to have to hang with me on the stories that I'm telling, and then we'll get to the story for today, but I'm, I'm walking through kind of where we're at. So they cross the, the, the Jordan, they get into the promised land, they win the battle at Jericho uh, by obeying God's commands, uh, and then uh, he keeps, God keeps pushing Joshua forward, you know, it'd be great to take a break after I do something really hard, I want to take a break, but no break, no rest for the general, he has to keep moving the troops forward, and so he begins to push Joshua past his perceived limits and capacities to advance them further into the promised land. They come up to Ai, Ai, that's how you spell it, Ai, um, and I'm sure they thought, wow, Jericho was fantastic, I think Ai is going to be a, a piece of cake. And they expected to really win easily, and one of the Israelites had stepped out of bounds, and there was a problem, and they got beat very badly in that battle. And Joshua goes to God, God, what happened there? I mean, I thought you were going to help us. And God says there's sin in the camp. The sin needs to be dealt with uh, before God's going to bring victory. And the whole nation of Israel learned that day, we need to be careful to do what God told us to do. Because one guy stepped out of line, it affected the whole nation. And they lost the battle. So anyway, they straighten that out. They go back, and they end up defeating Ai. And this is where we pick up, because what happens is they're starting to gain a reputation. They win Jericho. They win Ai. They're starting to gain this reputation. And um, the Gibeonites, they come up with a ruse. And we're going to look at some lessons from the Gibeonite ruse. Because after seeing the Israelites win the battle, I've got little points that I'm talking about just to help you follow along since I am telling this story and it's coming from different angles just so you can hang your mind on uh, where we're at. After seeing the Israelites win the battles of Jericho and Ai, the people of Gibeon tricked Joshua into making a treaty with them. Now here's what they did. They're actually neighbors. <laughs> They're going to be neighbors in this new land that the Israelites are taking over. So it says, people of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai. They resorted to a ruse. They went as a delegation whose donkeys were loaded with worn-out sacks, old wineskins, cracked and mended. The men uh, put worn and patched sandals on their feet and wore clothes, old clothes, 
All their bread of their food supply was dry and moldy. So they show up, and it looks like they've been traveling a long ways, but actually they just came from next door. And they made it look like they were, uh, you know, really uh, worn out and tired. Now, God had commanded Joshua not to make a treaty with anyone in the land of Canaan. He had his reasons for doing this. I I can't go into that. Uh, So he told him not to do this, but... By making it appear that they had traveled from a long ways off, the Gibeonites fool him. And Joshua decides to make a treaty with Gibeon without checking with God. He, actually, what it says is he didn't ask counsel from the Lord. That was a big mistake. Um, the lesson is, ask God for wisdom before you make an alliance with someone. Or actually, before you make any important decision of consequence. Ask God for wisdom. Joshua thought, look, these people are obviously, they've traveled a long ways. They they want to make a treaty. Let's do it. This could be helpful. So he makes a treaty. After the treaty is made, he discovers that the Gibeonites are neighbors. Joshua leads the Israelites to keep their word in spite of the unfair treaty. Now, this is how it goes. Now, I think you can identify with this. Put yourself in the place of the Israelites and then put yourself in the place of Joshua. Just figure out how it's going. The whole assembly grumbled against the leaders. That was stupid is what they're thinking. That was really stupid. We made a treaty with our neighbors. We, we weren't supposed to. But all the leaders, so the, the crowd is saying that. They're grumbling. And all the leaders answer. We have given them our oath by the Lord, the God of Israel, and we cannot touch them now. This is what we will do to them. We will let them live so that the wrath will not fall on us for breaking the oath we have sworn. We swore to them. So their number one concern is, we said by God we were going to, take, we were going to have this treaty and we were going to take care of them, so we're going to do it. We said it. It was our bad, our mistake, but still we said it. So we're going to do it. Joshua then pulls the Gibeonites together and he says, hey, um, I know your secret, I know your neighbors, and he commits to keeping his word. He reiterates that he's going to keep his word. So what happens next in Joshua, this is in Joshua 9 and 10, and you can read the whole story sometime, but five neighboring kings make an alliance to attack Gibeon. It's a strategic city in that region. And uh, they were tricky themselves. They were pretty strategic. They, they arranged it so um, they could be protected. And the Gibeonites asked Joshua to keep the treaty he made with them and help them fight against these five kings that have amassed against him. Now, how if you're Joshua, <laughs> you know, you've just made this blunder by getting into a treaty with the Gibeonites that you weren't supposed to get into, the next thing that happens is they send a messenger, hey, could you help us out? These five kings, they're going to take us down. Would you, would you help us fight this battle? Can you imagine? Now they're asking for help, not, not just for money or food and water, but military help in a battle. He's experiencing the consequences of ignoring the command to be, to be strong, to keep a grip, to pay attention to what's going on. He didn't inquire of the Lord. He loosened his grip, and it cost him, and it's going to cost his people. He, he let it go. That's, that's the, the opposite. Uh, 
He's two, ma- two major battles into the conquest of the promised land, and now he has to fight somebody else's battle. How would you feel? Oh, I am too tired to deal with that <laughs> right now. This is, this is killing me. Maybe literally it's killing me. Um, even though it wasn't his fight, they had an agreement, they had a treaty, and so regardless of how he felt, he responded to their request for help. Because he gave his word. There's a verse in Psalm that says, the one who's close to God swears an oath even when it, and he keeps his oath, he keeps his oath even when it hurts. Joshua does this. It's a tremendous thing. And then God reminds him of the promise of his power and presence in the fight. God comes to him, he draws close. He's trying to do what's right. He's trying to please God. And Joshua 10, 7, and 8 says, So Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army, including all the best fighting men. The Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid of them. I've given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. So God draws alongside, gives them some encouragement. This is, this is what God does when we do things his way, when we rely on him. He, he reminds us he's there, and he gives us the help we need. So uh, he led Israel back into the battle, and after an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise, the five kings. He takes them by surprise. Here's a map of what he did. And you can see on to your right there, uh, Gilgal, Joshua marched to Gibeon, which was 15 miles. You can see the, I don't know if you can see the, uh, the scale of the map, but that's 15-mile march up 1,900 feet in altitude all night. He did this to defend the people who had tricked him. Then he chased them to Beth Horon and as far as Azekah and Makedah. And uh, that's where the battle took place, all, all over that place. The average walking marching speed is no more than three miles per hour. So when it says they climbed 1,900 feet, it had to take them long, more than three miles per hour to do that because they're climbing up altitude to fight. Um, and this is where, you know, Joshua and his crew, I'm just too tired. I, I shouldn't be dealing with this. I shouldn't have to do it. This is just too much. But they, they trek this far, then the battle starts. Then they have to fight the battle. And if you're experiencing being pushed to your limit, you, you know what Joshua and his men were experiencing. You, you've probably been there before. In high school football, we had a phrase. Actually, at my school, I went to a Christian school, and the first week of football practice, my coach jokingly called it Heaven Week. Okay, I went to a Christian school. Sorry, it's a joke. Because it's generally called Hell Week. <laughs> because the first week of practice is unbelievably difficult. And it, what happens in that first week of practice is very important for the team. Because you find out that you can do more than you thought you could. And it prepares you for the season. So it's strategic, it's an important... You realize, wow, I, when I can't run anymore, the coach blows his whistle and I've got to run and I actually can run. I think I'm too tired, but I learn that I can do more than I, I think I can. If you're the parent of a young child and you have had 
You have not had a good uninterrupted night of sleep in months or even maybe over a year. You, you know firsthand the effects of what tired can do. If you're in a season at work that's just not letting up and you're putting in 70, 80 hours plus and you get home and then there's pressure and tension at home, stuff's breaking down, uh, weeds are growing, you, you know tired. When we're tired, it's hard to function on all cylinders. Our emotions and depleted energy levels lead to thoughts of defeat, discouragement, and burnout. This is where these thoughts become an enemy. Because if I own the lie, I'm too tired, I'll eventually loosen my grip on my responsibilities, and then I'll begin to reap the consequences of that like Joshua did. When we're tired, damage comes if we relax our grip. That's when we, we get hurt, and the people close to us that are depending on us get hurt. You don't take a nap in the battlefield. You know, when you're on a battlefield, you, you don't take a nap. Because if you do, you lose ground or, or die, one or the other. In our own seasons of tiredness, if we relax our grip, we dig a deeper hole that could bury us and the people we love. Fighting past our tiredness, our discouragement, our fears is critical. Joshua and his troops, they push past. They're a great example to us, and, and so can we. What happened is they caught the enemy off guard, and the Lord gave some extra help. And God does this. We're going to hear some testimonies in a while about how God gives extra help. But he sends supernatural uh, help in the form of hailstones. And um, right when they needed it, this kind of help comes. They win the battle. But in the battle, they chase, they're chasing the enemy 11 more miles. So the total is 26 miles. They march 15. They battle over an 11 mile area, and God gives victory. But, but victory came through strength, courage, and careful obedience. God honored that. He works in that context. This was their part, strength, courage, careful obedience. God does his part as we do our part. Uh, when, when we think we're at our limit and we can't do any more than we're currently doing, The example of Joshua shows us that God empowers those who trust in him to do what's needed and to those who are doing their part. So with this in mind, I want to start wrapping up by looking at how when I'm worn down and tired, I must, first of all, ask God for help and wait on his refreshment. God actually promises to give us power and strength when we think we have no more power and strength. Look at Isaiah 40, 29 through 31. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. Wasn't that Red Bull? Wings. (laughs) <laughs> I, I don't know if it's a reference to this or not, but they're, they're, okay, I don't know if they're trying to take the place of God, but God will do it. God will give you the strength that you need. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. 
This package, this passage is packed with promises. First of all, God gives power to the faint. He helps those who are exhausted, who can barely stay upright. You ever felt like that? Have you ever turned to God and experienced the help, the strengthening, the, the, the power that he gives? I have. He does. He does this. Uh, to the one who has no might, God increases strength. He will strengthen your hands to keep the grip on your responsibilities if you rely on him and you determine to do what you can do. The less we have to give, the more we can rely on God's strength, which he increases strength and our own strength increases. This, this seems counterintuitive that when we're less strong, we can be more strong if we rely on God. Verse 31 describes what happens when we wait on God. We get renewal and refreshment. And the word renew means to change. The idea here is that we exchange our tiredness for God's strength. We change, we change it over. Like changing old, worn-out, smelly clothes for putting on new clothes to get kind of freshen up. We're, we're strengthened. God refreshes us by the help that he gives. And, and this is how we freshen up. So we rely on him. Second, this renewal helps us to continue to trust God as he increases our capacity to handle things. Waiting doesn't mean to wait, sit on the couch, wait for God to do something, and then come through so that we can get moving. But waiting means to set our mind to hope in God as we do what we know to do. It's what it means to wait. We, we don't hope in a specific timetable. God, I really hope you get this dealt with in the next week, because that'd be great. We don't know. We don't know what God's timing is. We don't hope in a specific timetable or a specific outcome. We hope in God himself, who is going to be there to walk through whatever the outcome is with us. We put our trust in him. We rely completely on him. And as we wait on God to do his part to renew us, we continue to do our part and take care of our responsibilities. We, we tend to underestimate our own capacity. We do. For the most part, we can do more than we think we can. Right when we're at our limit, no one... Have, have you ever worked so hard you just poof, collapsed? No, you, you give yourself a cushion, you know? Some of us have giant cushions we carry around. Some of us have little pillows. But we give ourselves a cushion. And we can do more than we think we can do. Now, while, while it's true we have limits and we need to get enough rest, when we hope in God, God gives us strength to bear the responsibility and to maintain a tight grip, to be careful to do what he's called us to do, to act with courage regardless of how we feel. The last part of the Isaiah passage gives some helpful perspective on how God uses pressure for our good. We can soar in the midst of the crisis as God provides relief in his timing. Now, sometimes you think there's no way you can do what you need to do. There's just no way, God. This, this is just too much. It's all stacked up. But the picture of the eagle here is meant to inspire us. And this, this is what God, God lifts us above the discouragement, the doubts, and the fears, if we turn to him when exhaustion sets in. When we're tired, 
Damage comes if we relax our grip. It does. So God graciously provides the energy we need when we turn to Him and rely on Him to give it. Here, here are some testimonies that show how God does this. Um, one testimony is from Joyce Frankel. She's a life group leader, and I, I know she does some other things. And one's from Mark uh, Klepsig, who's at the Alhambra campus, life group leader over there, and a key guy on Sunday mornings helping make things happen over there. But I'd like you to listen to these testimonies of how God works this way. One of the things that's been uh, really pressing for me and and causing me to be extra busy and extra tired uh, is work. I work as a middle manager in an aerospace manufacturing company, and we have an awful lot of work right now, as well as um, a ton of growth that's happening over the next five years. So my staff is tasked both with uh, solving immediate problems to get things out to our customers, as well as envisioning the future and planning for uh, all of the resources we're going to need. One of the things on our plate is to put together detailed presentations to our leadership and our customers about what that's going to look like. And a lot of times those things don't get done in eight hours at work, so I'm putting together presentations and reports late at night from home. That provides an awful lot of opportunities for me to say, I'm too tired or I can't deal with this right now uh, as I seek to finish those work tasks as well as uh, help out the kids with homework or just be helpful around the house and, and do the home maintenance and home repair tasks that have to be done. And so the way that I've been able to battle that lie successfully at times is um, to look and see, am I really doing the things that I need to be doing? And once I know that I've delegated those tasks that are not mine and prioritized the others, uh, I know that God's going to give me the strength to push through on the things that are on my plate. So I just dive in. And every time uh, the, the truth of the scripture from Isaiah 40, 31, that, that God gives us the strength we need has been very true. Uh, that scripture says that we rise up on wings like eagles and we'll run and walk and be able to move on and not grow tired. And God's given me that strength. Um, what that does for me is that really builds a history of knowing the next time that I can do uh, whatever's next on my plate, whatever task comes up. Um, and God's going to help me through that. And that history is, is what really motivates me because I know that he's been faithful in the past and he's going to be faithful this time. Also, this, the, just the relief of the stress. Once those tasks are done and I can uh, move, check that off the box and move on to the next thing, it's uh, very helpful, very refreshing. The other day I was driving in my car with the boys. We were headed somewhere. It was a very busy week. It had actually been a couple of very busy weeks and the boys started fighting again. <laughs> um, it wasn't out of the blue. They had been fighting that morning. They were fighting earlier that week. They were fighting the week before. It was just a really challenging parenting season and I was weary. And with all that was going on, I just felt the emotions well up in me and I was feeling overwhelmed. And then I started thinking, I'm too tired for this. I, I can't do this. And right about that moment, it was like God put the truth back in my head so I could stop spiraling out. And, it, and he just said, don't despair. I'm with you and I will help you. And I think the reason I was able to catch those enemy thoughts so quick was because I had really been trying to make uh, my time with God and reading the Bible a priority. 
in the mornings, and I had been reading this devotion on Second Peter, and one of the verses was Second Peter one three, which says, "His divine power has given us everything we need to live a godly life." And it was like even before I knew I needed that perspective and encouragement, God gave it to me. And in that moment when I was spiraling out, it came to mind, He's here, He's with me. He can give me what I need to deal with this. So instead of getting all emotional, I just started asking Him for help for where I lacked. Instead of seeing all my physical limits, um, emotional limits, I saw His limitless resources of energy, um, kindness and love towards my kids, wisdom, and he really came through. So um, we just kept moving throughout our day, and um, I was able to really see it as an opportunity, not as uh, interruption or just my kids trying to get at me, but really a chance to, to be a godly parent and to love them and show them the patience and kindness that God has shown me and bless them in that way, and hopefully that they would you know, treat each other rightly and bless each other. And so God really helped with that. And then another unexpected thing was my mom called out of the blue and asked if she could watch the boys for a couple of hours, which was really great. It was, it was timely. I didn't ask for it. God just worked through somebody in my life to bring me some refreshment I needed. And he's really shown me that time and time again, um, that he'll give me what I need and more to handle the tasks and responsibilities that he gives me. There it is. The Joy's mom calling was like the hailstorms, you know. <laughs> God brought to the battle there. You know, she called, gave a little extra help. Didn't know it was coming. That's how God works. God does this. If we rely on Him. He helps us do what He's He's assigned us to do. You you can see how He does this. And the way it works is that the things that often drain us are the very things God is using to train us. It is. One time I added up, I was, uh, while I worked my way through graduate school, I owned a janitorial service. You may have heard the story before, but uh, I, two of my friends had janitorial services as well. And uh, on a Sunday afternoon, I was taking over from them. They were both leaving town, and I was taking over their services. I added up all my work, and it was Sunday at about 5 o'clock, and I realized I was going to go to bed Monday night at about 10. And I thought, oh... You know, that's like more than a day of cleaning. Oh boy, <laughs> I'm tired already. But you know what? I, it was important to, for, for me to take care of their work uh, to the best of my ability. It was important for me to do my work to the best of my ability. And I kept asking God for help. I'd hit the bog at 2 o'clock in the morning or whenever it was. God, would you just give me the strength? To do this and to do it well, not just to do it, not just to get by, but would you give, and he came through. And I learned, I can do more than I think I can. Often, the things that are draining us, God's using to train us. He's trying to train us through them. I'd like to wrap up the message and uh, ask the band to come up as I ask you to think through some next steps. Uh, They're on the back of your connection card, if you would. Pull out the connection card, take it out of your program. Uh, in a moment, the uh, ushers will be coming by. We'll receive our offering. But if you could take the time to finish completing any information you haven't had an opportunity to fill out or some of these next steps that I'm suggesting on your card uh, that are there, they're on the back. Uh, when the offering ushers come around, you can drop it in the offering. That'd be great. 
Here, here are some suggested next steps. Now, God may have brought some other things to mind uh, that He's encouraging you to do, but here are my suggestions. First of all, memorize Isaiah 40, 31. Very, very encouraging to have the truth in your heart and mind when you need it. Oh yeah, I need to wait on God. I need to turn to God. I need to keep doing what I can do here, but I need to turn to God and ask Him to renew my strength and wait on Him. Trust in Him to do that. Second step, keep doing whatever it is. You can fill in the blank. In spite of how tired I am, something I need to keep doing is this. So you can fill it in. Or ask God for refreshment. The last step is, ask God for refreshment every day this week in. So every day, I'm just going to keep asking God for refreshment. One thing I learned uh, when I had all those offices to clean, just keep asking God. He comes through. He gives what's needed as I need it. So those are some suggestions. You may have other steps you'd like to take. Uh, I'd like to ask you to pray with me before we continue singing. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word that really does bring encouragement and energy and motivation. Just your word does that, God. It works in us, shows us how you are and how life works and gives us the strength and encouragement we need to do what you've called us to do. God, as you've laid things on our hearts, given perspective and shown us steps to take, give us the power to take those steps in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. You're the one who walked on water you calm the raging seas You command the highest mountain To fall upon their knees You're the one who welcomes sinners And you 